I am Brad. <laughs> I am Brad. He is Shelly. You're listening to Westplex 1071. Good morning, everyone. It is a Friday morning, and it is going to be an amazing day. Don't you agree, Brad? Do you believe Brad? in love at first sight, or should I walk by again? I'm sorry, what? Do you believe in love at first sight, or should I walk by again? Sit one more time. Do you believe in love at first sight, or should I walk by again? I don't know what the last part is saying. Do you believe in love at first sight, or should I walk by again? Ah! Yeah, that one I know. <laughs> Good I'm morning, Brad. Are you gonna do, are you going to no let everybody to know that you're on? To with. Okay, it's going to be one of those kind of days, isn't it? Wait a minute. Who are you? Yeah, it's going to be one of those kind of days. Anyone, um, you are listening to Westplex 1071, and this is BS in the Morning. I am Brad. He is Shelly. If he can't and- figure out the difference between an elephant and a lion, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> and it keeps on coming. The laughs on, just man. keep on coming. And it's Come only on, 620. Man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? Don't you think I'm here? Oh, I know you're there. But they might know, not know you're there. You can't understand this one here. Listen real closely. I really Do you believe can't. in love at first sight, or should I walk by again? Do you believe in love at first sight, or should I walk by again? Do you believe in love at first sight, or should I walk by again? Oh, I thought it said something else. I'm like, no, he's not playing that. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, you never know. <laughs> there, there's there's this guy that put all these these. Uh, it's actually sort of funny. It's this video between a father and son, and uh, the son is saying like, "Dad, I can't find a woman. Uh, you know, I can't find a girlfriend. Can you help me out?" And he goes, "Well, in my day, I was quite the ladies' man." And he starts he starts laying down all these crazy lines like and that's and the guy's from new york or something like that. he's got sort of a, a tough accent that's what and he says do you believe in love at first sight or should i walk by again okay and one of them is it's pretty funny he says oh here's son here's what you do you go up to a woman and you say say hey touch my shirt rub your finger across your shirt and the woman does it and then he says he says and then you ask a woman do you know what material that is <laughs> you know, or no, you know, you know what material my shirt's made out of, and 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 the woman says, "No, boyfriend material." Oh, <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> anyway, you'd have to see the video. So I thought I I pulled it off, and I thought it would be sort of funny, but it is funny. I just couldn't understand it. Shelly, last part of it. When she hears it for the first time, she goes. Ah! <laughs> we, we no, I just couldn't hear. I couldn't understand it. You know, I had somebody uh, text me after the show yesterday about the Wilhelm scream, and they found uh, they found a a YouTube video. I haven't found it yet. They found a YouTube video where there's like a hundred movie clips that somebody has cut together that has the Wilhelm scream in it. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's this scream that was originally recorded for a movie back in 1951, and it was an anonymous. It was a it was a weird movie. It was called the D- Jungle Dreams or something like that, and it was about people somewhere in 
the jungle and it was a, a they were all these people were chasing this guy and this gal and they chased this guy and gal across a river and one of the guys who's chasing them is in the river and they show an underwater scene of a, of a alligator a crocodile swimming up and the next thing you know the guy gets bitten and pulled underwater and as he gets pulled underwater he goes and once again that wasn't actually his scream they added that in you know what they call post-production or adr or whatever or, or foley or whatever you want to call it and, and i didn't know that wasn't his scream yeah. because i could i could see his face and yeah. the scream kind of looked like the face well that's together. that's what they do so then the scream was reused in another movie and it was a, a a soldier like this is like after the civil war or maybe it was during the civil war and the soldier gets gets shot in the leg by an arrow by an indian and that's the scream and he's lieutenant wilhelm so from that point on they call that the wilhelm scream and it's like an inside joke in in hollywood it's in all the star wars movies also i didn't realize this it's in most of the indiana jones movies it's in raiders of the lost ark and and that's what was funny because i see all these different oh there it is there oh there it is there 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 and it's the same scream that these guys pass between themselves these are all the you know the 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 post production audio guys what they call the sound designers who pass this scream through the years have passed it among us amongst them and it's like the inside joke so that this is like in all these different movies and according to wikipedia wikipedia claims it's in 400 different movies you know through and, and in tv shows and all sorts of things so anyway you know yes i'm a kid yes my mentality you say 12 year old i say more like man child i say like more nine or ten because it's stuff like that that i first off i find it fascinating but I just find it, you know, sort of, you know, funny that there's little, you know, I mean, you know, in a time Something of... Something as little as that, well, you know, that that's kind of like a funny, funny under... Because it, it's a subculture. Well, this may sound goofy, but, you know, I have no, to... I have you to, never say anything well, that sounds you know, goofy. I have to be honest with you. I go back from time to time, and, and, and normally... I get very uncomfortable lifting, listening to myself on the air, listening to recordings of myself. And really? Yeah, I've always have. I just, I just don't like it. I hear commercials that I do, and I go, oh, that wasn't very good. Oh, that line could have been better. I mean, it's just one of those kind of weird things, you know. Um, and um, I, 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 you know, have through now the fact we've got all these shows up on our podcast, every once in a while I'll just go through and I'll just pick a show. And I'll just go, okay, let me listen to this one. And a lot of times I can't remember the various things we talked about, you know, through, I guess we've been putting them up for like six or seven months now. And I'll just pick one and I'll go, oh, man, now, you know, and, and I'll cr- sort of critique myself. And most of it is my critique is, eh, we're getting too serious. We need to, because especially during this stupid pandemic thing, we need to have fun, more fun, you know, and we need to say goofy stuff and we need to, you know, you know, have things that people will go like, I can't believe he said that, or I can't believe she said that, or I can't believe that he keeps playing that stupid, Come on, man. you know, I mean, things like that. I, I can't believe that, that Shelly has said things, uh, hold on a minute, I got to switch pages here. I can't believe that Shelly has said things like, they can't hear me because they're listening to kids box. Actually, that wasn't Shelly, but things like Shelly saying things like, I don't think that we should be called cougars anymore. I think we should oh, be yeah. called panthers. So, 
So, you know, anyway, uh, but but what I always find fascinating is, and like the interview I did yesterday with Alex Palmieri, I'm always a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. I always find it fascinating to, I mean, like, I can go to, you take me to, like, pretty much any kind of business, and, you know, you say, hey, you know, like, uh, you know, pick a business, uh, auto repair shop. Okay, man, I could go there and spend a day watching those guys and asking questions and, okay, what do you do when it comes in like this? And same thing, I could go to a computer store or I could go to like, you know, I could, I could, if I worked a day at a Home Depot, if I like followed around one of the guys at the Home Depot and just sort of see what he did all day long and all the crazy questions that people ask, you know, it's just like me talking about the fact that all the weird jobs I've had, I was a curb boy at Steak and Shake, all the bizarre things that happened to me there, police department, I worked there for three years, that was sort of interesting. Uh, and then, you know, the crazy time I've had in the radio business for like, geez, I don't know how many years and the weird people that I worked with and unfortunately so many of them were dead and died at a very early age. You know, I mean, like I always talk about the Larry Mondello thing that, that you know, this guy knew, and he, he was dead at like 32, died on a tuna boat in Alaska. Don't ask me how, but, you know, I mean, it was just one of these bizarre, weird things, you know. Anyway, but I find things but like... But wouldn't you want to say that, or wouldn't you want people to say that he died on a tuna boat in Alaska? What do you mean? I mean, really. What do you mean? Doesn't that sound like a great way to go? No, it sounds like a horrible way to go. You're out in the, the ocean, you know? I mean, like, it's, you know, I, I, once again, I'm not a guy that but watches. But he was doing something that he clearly wanted to do. Oh, no, no, no. Knowing this guy, he couldn't find another job. That's the sad part of it is. The sad part so of it is. So he went to Alaska? Well, you know, the problem was, and, and this is sort of a weird story, is that we sort of figured it out. The reason that this guy got a job at the station, because he was, shall we say, supplying stimulants to our boss. Get what, get what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I absolutely know what you're saying. Yes, because he sucked on the air. He was terrible. <laughs> and, and normally in our business, you know, the way our business is to end up on the air in a city like St. Louis, and the way it, you know, the radio business, business is a lot, and the TV business as well, too. If you've ever been to like a little small town that has a TV station, you see these people on the air, it's going like, how did they get a job? You know what I'm saying? Mainly because of the fact that these are people who are right out of college, or never went to college, and showed up at the TV station one day and said, hey, I want to be a reporter, and they said, okay, fine, go to the city council meeting, you know, and you're a reporter. And they, that's where they sort of, you know, hone their skills, so to speak. That Same thing, like in baseball, you know. Like you go to the, the you know, you used to go to the, uh, um, the Rascals games, and that was like a low, low, low-level minor league baseball because there's triple-A, double-A, single-A, and there's rookie ball. That was below, that was below rookie well, kinda ball. Kind of like batteries, like the Energizer Bunny. What? Triple A, double A. Oh, oh no, no, oh, never no, no. mind. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. You know what I say when I when I hear tell Shelly say a great joke like that? I go what? Okay, yeah, so, you do. So it's really true. He does. Anyway, the he's like the Larry Mond. You really say that? The Larry Mondello thing was that this guy had never been in the radio business before, and all of a sudden he's working at a Saint station in St. Louis, where normally somebody who gets their first job in radio would get it like in like you know Salem, Missouri or, or uh, you know, like Hayes, Kansas or someplace like that, out in the middle of nowhere, and you're working for a little tiny station, and, you know, you're making the coffee in the morning, and you're the disc jockey, and you're also the, 
the, the the weather reporter and you're also the news reporter and then you know at noon you go out and cover the chamber of commerce meeting and you know stuff like, like that us. yeah well no i mean they cover it like news wise i mean some of the smaller stations they they go to the chamber of commerce meetings and they actually broadcast live from the chamber of commerce meetings at least in back in the day they did so anyway that the sad part of it was that larry when you know when when our boss left he got fired uh, when the new boss came in, and I don't think he ever worked in radio again. So we worked in radio for a while, and then he ended up, you know, on a tuna boat in Alaska. You know, and uh, once again, I guarantee you, he didn't love tuna boats in Alaska. I knew the guy well enough to know that that wasn't his kind of a gig. His kind of a gig was <laughs> being a DJ on a radio station and keeping the boss's mind aligned. If you know what I'm saying. Yes, we got that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway. But that's what they used to do back then. You could buy your position. Yeah, I think you can still do that in a lot of jobs nowadays. I think you can. Still, I don't think so. I, think I don't you, think that goes on as much as it used to. I think you can do that in government. That's not true. Oh, oh, baloney. I mean, like you know. I mean, like, no, it's well, not hey, true. Right now, the guy who's the the guy who is who's the postmaster that everybody's mad to joy, whatever his name is. You know, his deal is. Uh-uh. Well, first off, he's never worked at the post office. Second off, he's never worked in government. Third off, he gave Trump, he donated to Trump, you know, a gazillion dollars for his campaign. You know, and he's some gazillionaire that, you know, I mean, that's what's sort of sad is, is that look at the situation with, you know, people that are in government, you know, like, like elected officials. I mean, you got guys like, what's the guy who's our lieutenant governor, uh, Mike Kehoe? You know, you know what his background is? Oh, I do not. Car dealerships. He owned a bunch of car dealerships in central Missouri and sold them out and made millions of dollars. And all of a sudden, he's got millions of dollars. doesn't have to work anymore. I'm going to be a politician. So he ran for rep and I think senator, stuff like that. You know, and once again, he's got money. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if the job pays $24,000 a year. He's got, you know, he's got bank, you know. He doesn't care about, you know, what, you know, the, 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 the you know, the, the money he makes from the state of Missouri. That's like, that's like play money. You know, like Trump. Trump gives his check away. You know, every quarter when he gets paid, he gets paid quarterly. And every quarter, he has a thing where they don't even talk about it anymore, where he gives it some charity. I'm going like, okay, I like that, you know. I mean, but yet, remember, we had Al Gore, who never gave the charities. And remember, that came out that, that on his income tax that, that, you know, he said, well, I did give. I did give to charity. And it turned out he donated his underwear to Goodwill. Remember that weird story? No, he didn't. Oh, honest to goodness. You don't remember this? No. He donated his underwear and listed it as a tax deduction. I am not kidding. I'll find that story. I will find that story. because huh. uh, I, I don't know if I believe you. First off, would you ever don't would you ever take your underwear to like Salvation Army or Goodwill? I mean, first Never. first off, I don't know if they take it. I mean, there's certain things like you know certain things they won't take like Ew. swim swimsuits and stuff like that. Second off is like underwear. Okay, when you wear your underwear out, I'm going to ask you a nosy question. What do you do with it, Shelley? When it's no I longer throw it away. sexy, that's what like Ew. that's what like 99.9 percent of the people do. You know, when your underwear gets to the point where it's not functional anymore, it's got too many holes and the and the you know the the you know the the stretchy's all stretched out and the elastic is doesn't work anymore. And you know, I mean, like you throw it away. No, he donated it. I'll find that story. You don't believe me? Here, I'm gonna take a break. I will come back with that story. Westplex 107.1. I have to be honest with you. I wasn't a big Halsey fan at first when she first started to become popular and man i have to tell you i've sort of uh, gotten into uh, sort of a lot of her videos and the ones that i really like there's this thing called uh, on uh, youtube uh, cmt crossroads i believe they do that on tv as well too 
and they have her and Kelsey Ballerini doing these uh, doing these uh, songs, and that's one they do together as a duet. Very talented. I mean, you know, a lot of times, you know, people in studio they sound great. In concert, they suck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you realize who's got the real talent and who doesn't. Um, and uh, she's really good in, live. Although me with my semi-trained ear, I think that there's backing tracks on some of these CMT crossroad videos. You know, you know what I'm saying? I don't know what a backing track is. There's there's a there's a controversy that has brewed for years that when you go see groups in concert that a lot of times they're not really singing are playing the instruments there's a I heard that there's a track that's running and part of the reason for that is that and there truly is a track that's running on a lot of performers because all the lights and everything are automated so in other words everything is is on a computer is is you know when they sing a song Everything and not only the you know the the uh, you know the lighting and special effects and all like that it's all com- controlled by the computer and what they do is they do basic tracks so in other words there's like a maybe there's like a you know rhythm track that that's on stage and sometimes when you see like for example on this CMT Crossroads videos with uh, Kelsey Ballerini and Halsey there are times when their vocals are doubled you know what I mean by doubling. No. Okay. What they're it, singing and then the track is running. No. Well, if you listen no. to, I, I, I'll, I'll play another song. But doubling the vocal is is that like if you hear a song like the artist will be singing, uh, like Kenny Chesney is big on this, where a lot of times he sings and then he sings another track on top of his first tracks. In other words, he's oh right. It's, okay, it's, I get it's, it. It's 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 double tracked. Okay, and what's sort of problematic is when you watch these live videos and these CMT, at least to me, is that there's like double audio. You know, there's like, it's like, okay, so there's a track behind them. And not only that, that the one song that we play, uh, the other was the other girl or whatever it is, the other woman, um, that uh, there's parts in there that the drummer's not doing. You know, if you can watch the video and you can see, okay, that's not the actual drummer's playing and he's being miked, but there's other stuff and there's no other percussionist on stage. See, I'm a nerd. I look at stuff like that. Isn't that terrible? You are a nerd. Well, it's, you know, it's one of those things. I look at things, okay. That's part of your charm. No, but it's like. It is. Well, but but see, once again, when you you see behind the curtain, you know, and, and you've done that kind of stuff and you know what's possible and you know what's not possible, you get sort of nerdy about stuff like that. You know, I mean, it's 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 to the point where where and I think sometimes that unfortunately, you know, what, what what's the saying? The saying there's two things you never want to see being made sausage and, and legislation. <laughs> you know? You know, That's funny. And and, uh, uh, you know, it's just like me when I had the experience of when Brian Nieves worked at our other station and he did a show in the morning and. You know, I saw him on the air, and I saw a lot of these politicians come into the studio. I mean, he had guys all the time coming in. You know, uh, Tim Jones, who's now like big radio dude, used to come in. He was Speaker of the House. He just, on his way to work, would show up. Hey, you know, we'd had the mayor would come in all the time and the whole bit. And then when you get to know some of these people, it's like, okay, they got elected how? You know what I'm saying? You know, you you talk to them where they're like normal human beings, and you realize this guy's not the sharpest tool in the drawer. You know, I mean, just one of those sort of things. And they say goofy stuff, and you sort of think, did they really mean that, or did they really think that? You know, 
It just started crazy stuff. It's just like like a mayor of an un, of a uh, who shall not be named. I got into a little bit of a tiff on the air with about the red light cameras because he thought, thought the red light cameras were the best thing you know since sliced bread and and I said hey it's you know it's just nothing but a you know you people just you know cashing in you know you got the company that's issuing all these tickets and you're making all sorts of money on it and I said to him well I said well I think we should have stop sign cameras because nobody stops at stop signs and he said to me with a straight face well you don't have to stop at stop signs and I went what. He says, oh, I'm stop at stop signs. So if it's a four-way stop, as I roll up to stop, you know, intersection, I just look. If there's nobody coming the other way, I just go through. I go, well, let's say I did the same thing at a traffic light where it's red for me, and I roll up to the intersection, and I look, and there's nobody coming the other way. Can I just run? Oh, no, no, that's different. Okay, how's that different? Get what I'm saying? It was like one of those things like, okay, he, he's the guy who put it's the red. semantics. Well, but he's the guy. Who, no, it's not. It's just it's just weirdness because of the fact that he's got his position. Red light cameras are great. We love them. They stop accidents. But yet he tell you know, and once they again. They really don't. But, but the point being is, yeah, they, well, they, they, you know, there's the jury's still out on that. People argue that like, you know, that'll be something that nobody will ever, you know, you know, well, there's two sides. Well, they're great. They stop accidents. No, they don't. They're terrible. They cause accidents. You hear that all day long. But the idea being on one hand, he's making money in his city by issuing red light tickets because, quote, you're violating the law. And that's what he said. But yet he goes through stop signs and admits it. And that's violating the law. But that's different. You know what I mean? That's different. Yes, I do. That's a law you can break. You can you can just drive right through that stop Laws sign. are made to be broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, see, here's the thing. Whenever I see him nowadays, and from time to time I still see him, he's not the mayor anymore, and I see him, and he's in his car, and if he's coming up to a, to a four-way stop, and I'm coming up to the four-way stop, you know what I always do? You don't stop. No, I go. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're funny. <laughs> There he is. I'm afraid he's going to crash into me. You know, oh, oh, there's the mayor. Okay. <laughs> it's six. Hey, you've you've had the experience. Remember that one meeting? I mean, remember remember the meeting we were at where the the St. Peter's councilman, two of the guys were talking about why there are certain parts of 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 of, of, of you know like what they call unincorporated islands in St. Peter's and remember the yes they you're bought, all about those islands oh yeah and remember what they said am, am, am I lying when I said this they're talking about this guy we went to this meeting and it was a bunch of officials from St. Charles County and they were talking about this problem in some of the cities called unincorporated islands. And what did he say? In St. Charles City, there's like 110 little islands that are like, you know, they're surrounded on all sides. I still live in a subdivision like that, surrounded all sides. But yet they're like unincorporated. And the reason and when you and I were sitting at a table and two St. Peter's aldermen, the one guy leaned over and goes, well, you know, he's like he said somewhat out loud. Well, there's a reason for that. We don't want those places in our city. Remember that? Yes, I do. <laughs> Am I making that up? No, you are not. <laughs> Which I thought was fascinating. It's like, yeah, well, and one of them was a trailer park. Remember, it was because, you know, they were talking about, well, you know, once again, am I kidding about that? No. That is a true story, right? Yes. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, and once again, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like I used to always drive down Highway 40. It's gone now, but I used to always drive down Highway 40, and I always felt good in life about that trailer park that was there on the south side of 40 
uh, east of uh, 270 that had the trailer park. Remember? It was I think it was either in Frontenac or Town and Country. Can't remember which one. You know what I'm I talking? I do remember, remember that. that? Yes. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, yes, I would. I see. That's where I'd love to live. I'd love to, I'd tell people, well, I live in Frontenac, you know, and then they'd come to my house. Well, this is a trailer park. Yes, but it's in Frontenac. That makes a difference. It's in Frontenac. It's not just any trailer park. Well, that's what park. people do when they say, I live in Ledoux, and people <laughs> automatically think that they've got big houses. And quite frankly, the houses there, you know, my living room is bigger than some of those well, houses. Well, there are some really small houses around, along Clayton. They really do. Clayton Road just... Uh, They're adorable. Oh, yeah, They're yeah. Cute Clayton Road. bungalows, but... Clayton Road, just north of Highway 40. You get off there at Clayton Road, like if you go into Lester's, and you just keep going. There's a couple subdivisions there that, like, I think some of the houses are like 800 square feet, and nothing against yeah. an 800 square foot house, but it's not There's the kind. Nothing. It's mm-hmm. not the kind of house you think you're going to find in Ladue. You know what I mean? You think it's going to no, be on six not. acres and 10,000 square feet. Okay. You know, or on Clayton Road. Yeah. Now here's I, I have to tell you something that I've done bad, and this is once again we talk about behind the scenes. Uh, off the air, before we got on the air this time, uh, Shelly said, are we going to, can I, can I go to the bathroom real quick? I go, no, we're going to do That's a quick. That's not what I said. We're going to do a quick break. So I got on here and I purposely did a long break. So I'm, I'm bugging the, the daylights out. Yeah, of it's 646, Brad. Westplex 107.1, when we were younger. 653, good morning. It's BS in the morning. I'm Shelly, she's Brad. Uh, going to be a really nice day today. Boy, yesterday was nice too, but boy, today, to high's only going to be around 80, low humidity. Man. Like my old boss, Ron Grubbs, used to always say, the weather were like this all year round. None of us could afford to live here. We'd all have to move out because all the rich people would live here, right? Pretty much. Now, you were asking me, what about we? What about downtown yesterday? Oh, no. Um, you said, did we talk I, uh, about downtown? I asked you if we talked about that yesterday. Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, I remember we talked about the day before, too, because remember I heard that uh, guy on... Uh, NPR, one of the um, um, St. Louis aldermen talking about all the problems in downtown St. Louis. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it's sad. I, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a downtown guy. I love downtown areas. You know, I love downtown. I mean, here's the problem that I'm having with downtown Clayton. Downtown Clayton's just going to be nothing but rich people in condos. You know, I mean, you know, they keep knocking down all these old, you know, beautiful old buildings and putting beautiful, you know, beautiful yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. They don't make buildings like that anymore. Well, I mean, you know, that's what's that's sort of sad. I mean, you know, in so it's, many areas. It's tragic, really. You know, I mean, you know, you go to Europe and, you know, you got buildings that are four, five, six hundred years old. I still tell the story about when I was still teaching college, I was working for the uh, St. You know, Louis Community College. And at the time, they didn't have a, a an official West County campus. Now they do. Uh, but they didn't have an official co- campus. And they rented part of this new office building at Clayton and Clarkson, and it was called the Frucon Building, and it was owned by the Frucon is like a, I think a construction engineering firm or something like that, and it was this really nice office building that was built, I don't know, like maybe 88, 89, 90, 10 years later, it's gone, tore it down. <laughs> they put they put a shopping center there. It's where Life Fitness is. They paved Paradise well, and put up a parking lot. You know, lot. sometimes you go by places. I mean, like I've worked for years in Clayton, the building I used to work in. Very very first job in the radio business, 111 South Bemiston. It's now the county jail. You know, across the street from us used to be there was a bank on one corner and there was a four-story office building on the other corner. Now it's the parking lot for the county government center. You know, you see all these, you know, and and, and the bank building wasn't that old. You know, I mean, you go places, uh, uh, you know, certain areas and, and, you know, it's like, you know, there's, there's, I mean, even like even in Washington. 
you know, everybody talks, oh, we gotta, you know, we got our, we gotta, um, you know, protect our heritage, but yet they're knocking down buildings all the time, you know, oh, that, oh, you know, I mean, and part of it is, as I know guys in the real estate business, part of it is you ever go buy a building and, you know, like, let's say commercial, even like residential building and, um, you know, there's, there's all of a sudden one day it's gone and then the building sits there for like three or four or five years. You know why they do that? Um, no, I don't cut down a loss, cut down on their taxes because if, if it's just land, it's typically a fraction of what, you know, because when they, when the assessor comes and assesses your property, they assess what the property's worth. In other words, just like as a vacant lot, you know, they usually come up with a per square footage. So if you have like, you know, 20,000 square feet, they say your lot's worth, you know, whatever. And then the structure. Well, usually in most places, the structure is what's the value, not necessarily the land. Although, like, that's probably different in Ladue, places like that. But if somebody has a, an office building or a house that's maybe not in the best of shape, and instead of keeping paying, you know, taxes on it, they just knock it down. You know, and then they, you know, and then they put the, 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 light up, the land up for sale, redevelopment. Somebody comes along and buys it and does something new, you know. I mean, I mean, how many, I mean, geez, like, you know, how many places in the St. Louis area, um, it's just like, I got in a discussion the other day, don't get me going on this, because I got in a discussion the other day that I, these people that, like, if you tell them you're, like, from St. Charles, and, like, you and me, well, we're on St. Charles. Oh, it's urban sprawl. Like, where do you live? Kirkwood, that's urban sprawl. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Kirkwood, you know, anything outside the city limits of St. Louis, urban sprawl. You know what I'm saying? I do. Because I actually understand exactly what you're saying. At one point in time. Surprisingly enough. Well, normally, I don't understand you. At one point in time, the people decided, well, we're not going to, you know, land in the city of St. Louis is too expensive. That's why you find all these goofy little crappy little houses in Kirkwood and Glendale that people are selling for $500,000 going, okay, you move that out to St. Charles County and that's a $50,000 house. You know what I'm saying? But in Kirkwood, it's $500,000 and foundations cracked and, you know, this roof has fallen in and you know nothing works and, you know, streets in Kirkwood suck and, you know, oh, I, I want to live in Kirkwood. Okay, explain that to me. Why do you, oh, oh, Kirkwood's so nice. Okay, what's so nice about it? Well, it's Kirkwood. Oh, okay. How about Kinlock? Oh, no, Kinlock's not good. No, no one live in Kinlock. Okay, so tell me the difference between Kinlock and Kirkwood. They're both about the same distance from the city of St. Louis. Oh, no, 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 no. It's totally different. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. It, you know, and Kirkwood has to be urban sprawl if they don't have Lindbergh. Well, but, but see, see, everything outside the city limits of the city of St. Louis is urban sprawl. And you go to every city, and if we're not unique, everybody talks about, oh, St. Louis is so screwed up because we have all those municipalities. Okay, have you ever driven around in the suburbs of Chicago? I mean, like, there's a gazillion. I haven't, actually. There's a gazillion municipalities in Chicago. Schaumburg and, you know, all these different places. Yeah. And, you know, I yeah. mean, they're all over the place. Some of them are not even, you know, like, they're sort of like, you know, in St. Charles County, they're the next county over, you know. And it's like, okay, one minute you went in Lake Forest. And I know Schaumburg because I used to do business in Schaumburg. Um, yeah, when David was up there over um, over Chicago O'Hare with the FAA, he lived in he, his his apartment was in Schaumburg. Yeah, yeah, and and you know once again all those were urban sprawl from Chicago. I mean, I mean, I told the stupid story that going down to my kids years ago to the Arch and they had a map on the wall of the you know down in the Arch Museum they had a map on the wall of the city of St. Louis. I think it was like 1812, and there was nothing past Tucker, which at the time was 12th Street. I mean, you know, once you you yeah. know once you got west of Tucker, it was like it was like the woods, and that was the whole deal. Forest Park people used to used to get a you 
know, like in there, they get on their horse. I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, their horse or their carriage, and they'd go out to Forest Park. And that was like, oh, my God, that was like out in the boonies. And if you remember the story, you know, Bevo Mill, I think we talked about this one time before. Bevo yes. Mill, you know what Bevo Mill was? You know why they built Bevo Mill? I do not, that actually. Was, that was built. I thought it was always a restaurant. It's always been a restaurant well, since it was. I've been around. It was, but it was built by the, the Bush family because when they were at the brewery during the day, uh, they would stop there for dinner on their way out to where they lived, where they lived out at Grant's Farm. And they would stop at the Bevo Mill because it was like halfway between the brewery and they would stop there and they would eat dinner. And like that was a that was a jaunt. If you went from like the city of St. Louis, you know, downtown or south, you know, South City where the brewery is and you went out to, you know, Grant's Farm. Now you go, oh, you get in your car and it like what takes you, what, 12 minutes? You drive from like 55 in Arsenal and, you know, you go out to uh, Grant's Farm, you know, off of uh, off of Watson or was it what, Watson? What is it? Gravoy, whatever. It, where, it's out there it's, somewhere. It's off of 30. It's off of Gravoy. Yeah, off of Gravoy. You know, so it's like, okay, jump your car. It's like, hey, easy drive, easy drive. Okay, I did my research. Next break, we'll talk about it. And I have to tell you, I was right and I was wrong. How many times will somebody say, well, I was wrong? Remember, I You hardly ever say that. I say that a lot. <laughs> No, I say I'm the wrong. I say I'm wrong all the time. You know, I, how many? That's the reason you win all the bets. No, how how many times do I say, "Boy, I really made a mistake there." You know, sometimes multiple times in one day, I may have made a huge mistake on Wednesday. We'll just have to wait and see and find out, right? Right? You know, what I'm talking about seven oh seven oh one Westplex one hundred seven point one Ritmo. I like the way he says that. I love those. Rolling, I do too. I love those rolling R's, man. I hear people that do that, and you go like. I'm, I'm like, okay, I don't know what the hell they're saying, but I'm impressed, you know? <laughs> it's just like the way they talk. 709, good morning. It is a Friday morning. It is BS in the morning. I'm Shelly. She is Brad. And it wouldn't be the same if we didn't have this guy who uh, pops in from time to time and tells us that. I had prostate problems that were driving me nuts. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, it just wouldn't be the same, would it? <laughs> Okay. Isn't he on wife like number 20? I think he's on number eight or nine or something like that. You know, <clears throat> I, 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 look, I was married once, okay? I have nothing against people that, and you know what I find sort of interesting is that people talk about, oh, well, divorces are just only happened like in the last 20 years. And yet you find all these people That's who are like. actually not true. I know. In their 50s and 60s. Well, when I when I was married first time and then the second time and the third time. And I'm going, okay. It's like you couldn't quite figure that out. <laughs> you know? And then, and then I'm, you know, for example, I mean, I heard someone the other day tell me a story about someone who um, their wife passed away. I mean, like months ago and they're already engaged to somebody else and to me i'm going okay don't you let things sort of that's a transitional person don't you sort of let things sort of you know settle down and just sort of you know grieve and you know move on down the road and just maybe have some time to sort of sort your thoughts out you know but there's some you don't know what's going on in another person's pair of mismatched socks well but there's some people that you know i mean you know women like this i know guys like this they can't be without a, a woman and on, 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 the, on, the, on the woman's side, they can't My father be, was like that. Well, I mean, like, you know, my ex-boss, Ron Grubbs. Remember, we had lunch with him that one day, and I said to him, and unfortunately it turned out to be true, I said, Ron, what wife is this for you? And he says, my last. And we figured it was number eight. <laughs> it was to the point where it's like, and remember, we went to his, we went to his, 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 what do you call it? I mean, I don't Wait. know. 
his wake at a bar that he used to hang out all the time, and there were like there were like five sets of kids there, and they all got along. You know what I mean? Here's yeah. here's kids from his first. It was actually kind of beautiful. Here's kids from his second, third, and fourth, and fifth, and you know, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, uh, I always say I got four kids, same mom, same dad. You know, I mean, you know, and, and I'm not saying there's you anything. Say that, don't you? I'm not saying there's anything bad about having what they call the blended family stuff like that. I'm just saying, I think, of course, I you know, you know, talk to my kids, and probably all of them would go, well, well, we like our mom, but we wish we had a different father. That's probably what they'd all say. So. That's not true. Take that back. <laughs> it's true. Trust me. We love Whatever. mom. But <laughs> we love my. Oh, hold it. Hold it. My my. I think my daughter's calling me. I think my daughter's calling. Hold, hold it. Is, is, is that you, Amanda? Hello. Oh yeah, Amanda. Uh, you want to go on here and talk her. to us? I'm at work and I let you go. Oh god. Okay. Well, you're a day late. Oh, I'm a day late. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Amanda. <laughs> That drives you crazy when I do that, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> you don't, it does. You don't like that, do you? You don't like that? No, I do my, not. Well, how many other guys have their daughter come on the show? You know, hey, hey, Amanda, how you doing? Hello. I'm at work, and I let you go. Yeah, no problem. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was wrong. Do you know, I have to tell you something. I, excuse me for interrupting your I was wrong comment. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to relish, you know, relish that for a while. But um, I actually had somebody that listens to the show and says, you just sit there and you get so frustrated with him. And then he's sitting there talking and all the all of a sudden you all you can hear is. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I do do that, don't I? I said, do do. (laughs) Uh, Or or you say something classic like like, hold on, I got to push a button here. For the same reason I don't wear underwear. Things gotta breathe. That's one of my favorite things you've yeah, said. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Are you? I don't. You know, every now and then I have to go outside and run the vacuum cleaner over the driveway just to make sure that my neighbors never talk to me. That's another thing that Shelly says. Or her classic is... My neighbors yeah. never talk to me anyway because they think I don't own a bra. Okay, so anyway. Thank you, Brad. Okay. Thank you for bringing that one back up out of the archives. We talked about this last hour about how Al Gore donated his underwear, okay? And, and Brad is wrong. I am wrong, wrong, but it wasn't Al Gore, it was Bill Clinton. Okay, I am now that I can see. I am reading from a Chicago Tribune article. This is not like you know Josie's web spot, you know, or anything like that. This you is know, streaming live from your basement, right? This is Chicago <laughs> Tribune, April twenty fifth, two thousand and seven, and it said that the article is titled "For Obama." And this, keep in mind, this is before the two thousand eight election when uh, Obama ran for president. But it's the title of the article is For Obama, Charity Really Began in the U.S. Senate. And it talks about how how he never gave any money to, you know, to anything, very few uh, money to uh, charitable causes until he got into the U.S. Senate and then he started to give that. Now, now here's, let me read you this paragraph, okay? This is this paragraph. Once again, Chicago Tribune, you can look it up. I, I sent you the copy of the link. I texted it to you so you can see that I'm not making this up. Here's the third paragraph in this story. Public attention to charitable gifts has led to uncomfortable moments for prominent political figures. Then-President Al Gore came in for withering ridicule in 1998 when his tax return showed he had contributed just $353 to charity. So did then-President Bill Clinton, after a review of old tax records, revealed that he'd once claimed 
a $75 deduction for donating a suit with ripped pants to the Salvation Army, as well as $2 for a pair of used underwear and $9 for six pairs of used socks. So, once again, he's Clinton donated his underwear to the Salvation Army. Now, See, hey, I, can, I can believe that about him. Well, Al but, Gore, not so much, but Clinton, I absolutely believe he did that. Well, this is in the Chicago Tribune, and I didn't – see, I remember this story, but, you know, once again, I'm thinking Clinton Gore. I thought it was Al Gore, but it was Bill Clinton, okay? So, he donated a ripped suit and got a $75 deduction. Now, once again – Salvation Army, I say yes. Donate your stuff to the Salvation Army. And even if it's not in the best of shape, you know, they'll find something to do with it. But, you know, once again, if you go to Goodwill or Salvation Army, they will ask you, would you like a receipt? Correct? And and depend- That is correct, yes. And you get a receipt. Now, in the old days, before they changed all the tax laws, you, you could deduct all sorts of stuff. That's why if you go back in history, and I've had this, I mean, I had this argument with an attorney years ago, and she was like, you know, you're, you, you're full of it. There's no way. And I said at one point in time, you know, the, the tax rate in the United States was like 94%. And she went, no, there's there never been a time when the tax rate's been, you know, income tax, 94%. And I pulled it up, and it was like 1959, 1960. It was cr- incredible. But the difference was, back then, you know, the tax rate, you know, it was high, but you could deduct all sorts of stuff. You could deduct, like, you know, your credit card interest, and you could I deduct know, this. I know, I missed that one. You could deduct this. I really you do deduct... miss that deduction. Right, I'm not right, going to lie. Right. So here's Bill Clinton, you know, donating. He gets a $75 deduction for a suit with a pair of ripped pants, $2 for a could pair. Could have been an Armani. Okay, now think about so this for a minute. $75 bucks is, a, is a steal. Okay, and it says in this article, $2 for a pair of used underwear, okay? I don't, That's just nasty. Well, I don't know what... what what women's underwear costs, but like if I buy like a five pack of my my Hanes tidy whities, I think like the five pack cost me like you know I don't know eighteen nineteen bucks. So you divide you know so if I get let's say it's twenty dollars, so I divide you know you know twenty dollars by five pair of underwear, that's four dollars a pair, right? So how do you get two dollars for a pair of used underwear? You know what I mean? I mean like what's the if if you went into a pawn shop today? Think about this. And you go, hey, I need some money. Bond guy goes, yeah, when you get the point, oh, I got my underwear. Sir, we're not interested. Well, Bill Clinton, one point in time, got $2 for a pair of his used underwear. He would give me a dollar? No, sir, we're not going to give you a dollar for your used underwear. Uh, how about 50 cents? No, sir, matter of fact, I will pay you a dollar just to leave my shop and take your used underwear with you because we don't want it here. Please, uh-huh. please, there's the door. Hit it, you know, let, let, let that door hit you on the underwear on the way out, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, I mean. You're funny. No, I mean, but, but you know, but it's, see, once again, the interesting thing is it talks about, uh, and this article talks about, this article is mainly about Obama. And once again, this is before when he was running for president. Obama's household income has been inflated the last two years from the proceeds of lucrative book deals he signed shortly before entering the Senate in 2005. He pledged to turn over $200,000 of the book money to charity. On their first filed 2006 tax return, Obama and his wife, a hospital administrator, did you know she was a hospital administrator? I didn't know that. I did not. That's what it says here. Reported taxable income. She's classy enough to be a hospital administrator. I won't make any comment about that. Reported taxable income of 983,000. Oh, no, no, no. I thought you were talking about Obama. 
No, Obama's wife, Michelle. It says here, yeah, Obama yeah, okay, and his yeah. wife. I, I think she's classy. A hot, but, well, no, but you said she's, uh, all hospital administrators are classy? Is that what you said? Well, usually when they have, have rise to that rank, there's a reason for it. You know, I bet you could talk to some nurses and doctors who would refute that comment, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, that's what I believe. Hey let, so. hey, let your daughter work at the hospital for a while, and then she'll and then ask her in a couple <laughs> couple years what she thinks of the administration, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know how that is. You work at a job, and you go like, wow, what a great job. And then you get in, the, in there, and you realize, like, oh, my God, the boss has no idea what's going on. And he goes out and play, plays golf all the time. Or, you know, in, in my case, my boss was always at the bar. You know, anyway, let me, hear, let me finish this, this paragraph. On their just-filed 2006 tax return, Obama and his wife, a hospital administrator, reported taxable income of $983,626,000 and claimed deductions for $60,307 in charitable deductions. In 2005, they earned a combined $1.65 million and gave away about $77,000. $1.65 million. He was making that before the president. Now, in 2002, the year before Obama launched his campaign, launched his campaign for U.S. Senate, the Obamas reported income of $259,394, ranking them in the top 2% of U.S. households, according to Census Bureau statistics. That year, the Obamas claimed $1,050 in deductions for gifts to charity, or 0.4% of their income. The average U.S. household totaled $1,872 in gifts to charity in 2002, according to the Center on Philanthropy at Indiana University. So in other words, before he started to run for, for president, he didn't give much to charity. And afterwards, when he decided he was going to run for Senate and then for president, he started giving money away. Now, the only thing is they talk about the stuff with, with Al Gore. One, one year, Al Gore made you know, $250,000, and he gave $353 to charity. You know? Now, once again, what's interesting about that is think about this for a minute. And I'm not trying to make this political. I guess to a certain extent I am. But the Democrats are the ones always going to say, hey, we need to help the poor. We need to, you know, you know, because that's what they're all doing right now. We need homeless shelters and we need this, we need that. And it's like, okay, how much money have you given to charity? And Shelly, you and I are involved in the Salvation Army, have been for years, yes. right? There yes. are people who, and you, we experienced it this year, a major, 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 major donor to the Salvation Army Yes. Would not allow him to be honored for his donations to the Salvation Army because he did not want people to know how much he'd given to the Salvation Army. Am I kidding? I thought it was because he didn't feel like he was worthy of the award. That was the whole deal. He didn't feel worthy and he felt that he had not given enough when he'd given a gazillion Dollars, yes. Right. I yes. mean, like this is a guy. Very huge supporter of Salvation Army. Right. Right. Huge supporter of Salvation Army. And through the years, you and I have been involved in that. How many people like, for example, you know, and I don't think this gentleman wants all the publicity, too. But remember, um, one of the people we deal with Salvation Army would make the comment that if they got into a bind, if something happened, they had a like a cash shortfall, something happened in one of the shelters, and they needed something getting fixed or something like that, they would call this guy, lives in St. Charles County, and the guy would either send them a check or show up in person and say, here, will this help? 
right? Remember that story too? Yes, I do. And 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 here's somebody that if you met this guy on the street and you know, you ran into him, you you know, sat, you know, next to him, uh, you know, in a restaurant or something like that. We well, can't sit next to people in a restaurant anymore because you have to be socially distanced. But back in the old days when you could be, you know, like at a restaurant and be like at a bar next to somebody and talk to somebody, you know, you'd never know. This guy's like loaded. And he, you know, and and all the people that we know in a bunch of the different organizations we belong to just give huge amounts to charity and they never, ever, ever talk about it. You know what I mean? Yes, it's it's actually a beautiful thing to behold. Right, right. And then you and I, you know, you and I sometimes have to call Salvation Army to, you know, have a place to, you know, uh, to have a place that, you know, so we can sleep at night. At least I do. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't that your mailing address? Yes. <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't talk to me about mail. <laughs> my my neighbor will. Did you ever get any mail? <laughs> there's a whole story behind that. <laughs> they actually, did you? Uh, there's a funny story behind it. Actually, there's a there's the that that story. The saga continues, and it and and it took an interesting turn yesterday. So anyway. Uh, oh. Okay. I have <laughs> mail and me do not necessarily get along. So. Anyway, yeah. um, by, and by the way, I have to tell you something. This was brought okay. up. This was brought to my attention recently by someone who did a mailer. And you know what? I'm not here to diss the post office, but I got a piece of mail yesterday that had, and I I don't know why this was, but normally metered mail does not have to be canceled. You know what I'm talking about? Normally, if you put mail in, you know, and and it used to be when you go to the post office, there would be like two two boxes. There would be like metered mail and non-metered mail. So if metered mail, meaning you got the machine at your office that sticks the, you know, that prints the, the postage on it and it has a date on it. And I got something in the mail yesterday that here locally that the the meter on it said July 20th and yet it had gone through the and, and it had been canceled and it shouldn't have been canceled because but it did it went through the canceling machine and it was canceled on september 1st and i got it yesterday and it was local it was something was mailed in st louis and they mailed it you know they at least that you know i would assume they they changed the date on the meter when they put the mail through the meter but it was you know the the date on it was was what did i say july no i say it was august 20th august 20th so it was and then i got something i did get something in the mail yesterday that originally had had a cancellation date on it. It went through the postal service on July thirtieth, and I got it yesterday. Oh, <laughs> once at, a, at that location? No, no, no. Just mail I get. Just you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, we're, I'm talking like okay. So this was mailed on July thirtieth, and it's got a postmark of July thirtieth, and I get it yesterday, and. This is a place where I get mail all the time. It's not like this is a new address or anything like that. It's like, okay, and it was mailed from St. Louis, and it came into St. Charles, and it's going like, okay, where's it been for a month? You know what I mean? Has it been, like, at the postman's house? Like, does he, you know, stack all this mail up? You know, you know. And there was I, nothing written on it, like, not at this address. No, 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 just regular mail. You know, huh. there was there That's was a thing. I, I read this the other day, and I couldn't believe it. There was a, a, like, you know, they talk about situations with the post office. And, and they talked about a long time ago. I can't remember which post office it was. It might have been Chicago. And they talked about how they were so backlogged with mail that, you know, that one point in time they had, like, a couple million pieces of mail that hadn't been delivered. And one of the postmasters suggested, are you ready for this? 
that they burn it. Really? Yes. And I, huh. I, I read this story. I thought to myself, this can't be true. Isn't that like burning books? Well, okay, but think about that for a minute. You know, you get, you get, you know, you get junk mail through the mail the whole bit, but you also get checks and people send legal documents. You know, if you request like, you know, a copy of some document or, or you know, or like they'll mail you, you know, like your driver's license. You know, that's how you get your driver's license now. You know, they mail it to you. You know, like, okay, it's sitting somewhere. In the, Which is ridiculous. And the postmaster is going to go, eh, you know what? We can't do this mail. Uh, uh, well, well. We'll just burn it. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, it's every, ridiculous. every once in a while you hear this story of like some postman who's been doing it for years and they raid his house and he's got, you know, 40 bags of mail in his house that he, he went home one day and go, oh, I'm too tired. I'm not going to deliver the mail. And he just throws <laughs> now it. Now that's funny. Throws it in. Well, it's not funny unless you were expecting something in the mail, you know. And, and keep in mind, you know, those guys are probably retired now and, and getting their government pension. But that's a whole other story, right, Shelly? Yes, it is a whole other story. <laughs> 728. That was it at Westplex 1071. Happy birthday. I love it when she says that. It's one of my favorite things, one of my favorite songs. I'd love that song. Can I tell you that? Would you believe me if I told you that? I don't even think yes, you're there. I would. <laughs> you're not even there, are I you? I absolutely would. <laughs> I know you love that song. You're not there. You're not there, are you? Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I'm going to do something here because there's things that in my world, you know, there's things. Hold on a minute. I just locked the computer up. Come on. Don't do this to me. Did this yesterday. Drives me nuts. Okay. Certain things. like your prostate, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hold on a minute. (laughs) You can't. You had to bring him up, didn't you? (laughs) You, you can't get away with that without me saying... I had prostate problems that were driving me nuts. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> I couldn't get away with that. Okay. So certain things I am proud of. And you know one of the things I'm proud of? Uh, me and I'm, the show? I'm proud of... Edit. 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 What are you doing? Get what I did? No, I don't. You don't get it? Do I have to do it again? Do I have to do it again? Hold on. If I have to do it again, here we go. I don't know what you're doing. I'm baffled. Edit. Hear me doing the edits? Uh-huh. Okay. Edit. You made it longer. Yes. Edit. Edit. I know that's nerd stuff, but <laughs> I it love it. It is. I'm like, oh, he edited this song and made it longer. I did the intro. I love the intro of that song. I think it's in, in, in what I. It makes you happy, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know what, though? What's really interesting to me is I've asked a couple of my radio geek friends who work at other companies, 
And they can't give me the answer to this. There are songs we play that, like, for example, if I hear a song, if we have a song on our station and I hear it on Z1077, it's a different version. And there's a different version of the Lizzo song that we play. And, like, for example, here, what's the number? I don't know what the number for watermelon sugar is. Off the top of my head, I don't know what the number is. But on Z1077, and this is, this is like really inside baseball nerd stuff. Uh, we have what we call, back in the day, it's called a cold open. Not like, you know, talk about cold open on Saturday Night Live. A cold, a cold intro or a cold open means normally on the beginning of a song, you have like, you know, if I, like I just played that. There's an intro. You know, when you play the song, there's a spot where they're, you know, playing music before the vocalist comes on and sings, right? Okay. And that's probably 80% of your songs. And then there's probably, you know, 20% of your songs where the song and the vocal starts at the same thing. There's no vocal intro. It's cold, cold intro or cold open, okay? And we have songs like, for example, the song we play, the Watermelon Sugar song, he starts off on our version. He starts off from da, 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 da. And yet, when you listen to that song in Z1077, there's an intro to it. It's like a guitar part that goes on for like 12 seconds. And I noticed that, that on Z1077, they don't have any songs that have cold intros. They all have an intro on it. But yet, if you get the album, if you go on and look at the video, or if you buy the download, it's a different song. It's like it's, there's a cold intro. So in other words, there's no guitar part on the beginning. And I'm going, I wonder if they, you know, I wonder if, you know, iHeart, who owns those stations, goes, we do not allow cold intro songs on our radio station. So record companies, if you want us to play your music, you have to have at least a five second intro so our disc jockeys can talk over it. And the record company goes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll do whatever you want. We'll do whatever you want. What do you think? No? I think that's exactly what happened. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those, you know, once again. It's Brad nerd stuff, okay? I go through my day. It's Brad nerd stuff. You are exactly right. <laughs> I notice weird stuff that nobody else notices. You know, I mean, I've told you about stories. And what's interesting is, I mean, how many times, and I did this with my kids when my kids were younger, and especially my my oldest son. And I think my oldest son got tired of this. That if well, maybe he didn't. I don't no, know there's I, nothing that you do no, yeah, over yeah. and oh, over yeah. and over oh, again. No, no, that trust me. Make anybody feel trust tired. Trust me, my kids. I mean, there were things I did that embarrassed the living daylights out of my kids. That's our job. No, not to embarrass daylights. Yeah, out of it our is. Kids. Okay, <laughs> so my oldest son, we see something. We'd like construction site. I'd stop and get out and talk to the guys. Hey, what are you doing here? You know, you know. And some of them were like, you know, most were like, well, we're putting in a new culvert. Oh, okay. Because and that part of it was asked for my father. My father was a civil engineer. And I remember him, he used to take me sometimes on job sites and things like that, things that he'd worked on, or things that he built, you know, designed and stuff like that. You know, when he was in the Army Corps of Engineers, I mean, like, we'd go some places and he'd go, I designed that, you know, and it was like a, a pumping station, you know, I mean, because once again, he was a civil engineer, that's what he did. He did parking lots and he did bridges and he did, you know, I mean, you know, infrastructure stuff. Uh, that's, you know, a lot of what he did. And when he was in the Army Corps of Engineers, they did a lot of that. I don't know if they still do that or not anymore. But like he, like when we'd go over into the Illinois side where they have like, you know, like, you know, if you go and a lot of people don't realize this, it's sort of like when you went on to Chesterfield Valley. And once again, I noticed this stuff because of my dad. There's pumping stations all over Chesterfield Valley. Did you know that? There is actually. Yeah, I do. Well, you used to work down there too, though, didn't you? 
I did. I yeah, worked okay. at a Spirit. So you know what I'm talking about. There's pumping stations all over Chesterfield Valley. And they're there because of the fact that if when the river gets high, now they got the big levee, but when the groundwater comes up, it seeps underneath the levee, or just the groundwater comes up, and places get full of water. And therefore, they have these pumping stations in Chesterfield Valley that, you know, have a big monster pump, and a lot of them have an emergency diesel generator there, so if the power goes out, they can still pump the water out, so they, the, the valley doesn't get flooded with groundwater. Right? Am I kidding? I'm sorry. No, s- you're not kidding. And, and once again, how do I notice this? Because that's what my dad did. <laughs> He did a lot of these over in Illinois. We drive around like, you know, because when you cross over the river, and a lot of people don't realize this, but when you cross over the bridge, the Poplar Street Bridge going to downtown, East St. Louis, floodplain. Cahokia, floodplain. Um, you know, Granite City, floodplain. It's all down in the floodplain. And it's protected by, it's called the American Bottoms. It's protected by that levee that goes up and down the, um, the Mississippi. Uh, and, 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 and if you remember years ago, and I still remember this one, there's the classic, um, uh, you know, the unbelievable footage that Alan Barklage took during the 1993 flood. Remember when the levee broke down uh, south of the Jefferson Barracks Bridge? If you remember that video? I absolutely remember that and, in 93. Right. And he was up flying the helicopter and that wall of water went through that area. I guess that would be Monroe County down there. And just ate up those houses. Remember that? The houses were just, uh-huh. it was like unbelievable to see that. And you're going like, and here's a house. Some of these houses look like they've been there for like 100 years. And like in 30 seconds, they're destroyed, gone. Because that whole area along there, Monroe County, St. Clair County, Madison County, all that stuff down there is in the floodplain. Now, when you go into Alton, it's different because Alton's up in the bluffs. But when you go south of Alton, and if you go like south in 255, once you get down into the Wood River uh, you know, uh, Roxana area, that's all floodplain. That's all, if the, if the levee would break along the Mississippi, everything from the Mississippi River all the way to Collinsville would go underwater. And I've said that before. People, oh, that's not true. Trust me, it is. Gateway International Raceway, underwater. East St. Louis, underwater. You know, uh-huh. Cahokia, underwater. You know, Mitchell, Illinois, Granite City, Roxana, you know, Wood River, underwater. Roxanne. <laughs> Roxanne. So, anyway, that's. <laughs> Can't help it. Every time I hear that's, that name, I have to do that. So, that's what my dad did. He did a lot of infrastructure stuff, especially for the Army Corps of Engineers, because that's what the Army did. Which was very cool. You know that, right? Yeah, but, but, you know, once again, it's one of those things that the average person, and I still, I mean, you know, I mean, like, like how many times have I gotten out of my car and I see these guys putting up a new cell site? Hey, who's this far? Oh, this is a Verizon tower. Oh, no kidding. You know, you know, you know, I mean, I, you know, and that's the nerd in me. God, I can remember taking my son down to, one of the, kind um, of when he was a little kid, taking him down to one of the Veterans Day celebrations in downtown St. Louis when people used to show up for the Veterans Day celebration, which they don't anymore, which to me is super sad. No, they really don't. Oh, and it's, it's sad. Terrible. It's terrible. Anyway, we went down to the Veterans, and they had all the Army Blackhawks down there. And we t- started talking to one of the crew chiefs, one of the Blackhawks, and he's, he's explaining all this stuff to me. You know, I told him I used to fly helicopters, and, he, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know about this. And have you seen this? This is new, and this is our new system that does this. And, I mean, he's showing me all this stuff. I go, wow, this is cool. <laughs> I want to fly a ship like this someday, which I never will. But, you know, that's a whole other story. So nerd stuff, right? It is. It's, mm. it's cute, though. Mm. But it is 745, and uh, we need to take a break. And, you know, the amazing thing is, I one time went to this factory, 
And I went to um, the guy there, and I go, I go, what do you do? And he says, well, this is the Doink Factory. And I go, the Doink Factory? He says, oh, yeah. He <laughs> okay, says, we, okay, make, okay. We, make, we make doinks here. And I go, he says, watch this. I'll hit this button, and we'll make one doink. Yeah, doink. I got your doink. And then he says, if I hit this button three times. Doink, doink, doink. And then he says, if I hit this button five times. Doink, 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 doink. He says, that's why we're called the Doink Factory, because we make doinks. I go, thank you, sir. I've learned so much today. A golden nugget indeed. It's 746. <laughs> Westplex 107.1. I like it when she says, uh-oh. 753. I am Brad. She is Shelly. And together we are BS in the morning. And Shelly. Brad. I will take full responsibility when I say that you screwed up and didn't tell me to call Chris at 730. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I, will, I, I um, sorry about that. I, I will take. Full, sorry about that, Chris. Right, I will take full responsibility that you didn't tell me. No, it's my fault. I apologize, Chris Highfield. It totally is. Yeah, actually. It is my fault, Chris Highfield. Good morning. How you doing? Doing well, Brad. I just staring at the phone since seven thirty. Just didn't really know what to do with myself. <laughs> kidding. So you gotta rub it in, dude. That's where you're gonna be this I'm morning. That's my boy. <laughs> this is Chris Highfield. Give it to them all. Yes, and this is why I like Chris Highfield because if I called any other man of the cloth, do you consider yourself a man of the cloth? Oh, I'll, I'll call you. You can go. I go by anything you want to call me. Okay. Really. Well, if I if I had this kind of don't call him late for right, dinner. don't call him late for for dinner or for church. Okay, if I had screwed up with any other man of the cloth, like let's say a Presbyterian or a Catholic or a, a Lutheran, he'd be mad at me. But Chris, he's just laying back and just waiting for me to call, and then he's going to gig me by saying he's been sitting there since seven thirty, looking at his phone, waiting for me to call. Right. Well, the title of our church is Grace River Church, so we got we got to give a lot of grace to people. That's our deal. <laughs> and you do that. First off, I make plenty. Of, I, li- I make plenty of mistakes, so I, I need I need to be able to you know have some ability to let people make mistakes with me. So that's great. You know what? I am. This may sound really weird. I am so glad to hear you say that because I took I took a um, an online course with this guy, sort of like a little mini course. And he had like, it was sort of funny, he had 14 rules, and rule number one, or there was rule number zero, and then there was rule number one, and rule number three was, everything is your fault. And he essentially said, when you get to the point where you can not blame anybody, and you can say, it's all my fault, then you will have a revelation in your life. I mean, does that make any sense to you? Oh, it does. I I say it all the time. You can make make excuses, or you can make a difference. You can't you know, and that kind of goes along with the same thing. Everybody's got, you know, we all have this common denominator to all of our problems. And you know what the common denominator is? Awesome. Part of them. Right, 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 right. We, we and, and, and honestly, we create most of our own problems. Now, there's things that are totally out of our control. If a tornado hits our house or we're down, you know, in, in Louisiana or Texas and a hurricane hits us. Yeah, that's not necessarily our fault. But to a certain extent, it is our fault because we chose to live there, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so all this deep philosophical thought. Okay, first off, you've done different things since the pandemic, since the COVID-19. What's the current situation at Grace River Church? Uh, yeah, you know, when the pandemic first hit, we had this help program that we did with giving away uh, gift cards to people to buy them groceries and things like that. Now uh, we have, uh, we've got this incredible partnership with a grocery distributor where they're going to drop off an entire truckload of produce on September 12th, 
and we're going to distribute 800 boxes of fresh produce from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock on Saturday, September 12th, just eight days from now. And is that free to anybody who wants to show up? That's free to anybody. So it doesn't matter what your income level is, what's going on in your life, whatever. Uh, you can drive um, a Pinto or a Hummer. And uh, we no judgment. We're just here to help. Now, And this is in your parking lot right there on uh, Veterans Memorial Parkway between 79 and uh, T.R. Hughes slash Billow Creek, right? That's right. That's right. That's 1913 Trade Center Drive. We're just three businesses east of Bolero. Yes. They're right off the Interstate 70. Yes, you can. Know, that's a great landmark. Now, how did you do this? How did we do this? Yeah. Uh, there was a friend of mine in Iowa that's a pastor that had partnered with this grocery distributor. I was hanging out with him a couple weeks ago in Nashville doing a project together, and he was showing me pictures of what was happening at his church while he was in Nashville. He goes, man, we're distributing all these groceries. I said, give me the phone number for that. And he gave me the phone number, and then I called the people, and then they that's how it worked. No kidding. And we're talking like a big tractor-trailer load of stuff? Yeah, and getting uh, an entire trailer. Uh, I think there's like 13 pallets of food. No kidding. And now, yeah. and what time is this going to start? Uh, 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock on Saturday, September 12th. You can register online for uh, at www.graceriver.cc forward slash um, food relief. So um, that's uh, that, that's the website for that. So you'd ha- you have to be registered, and when you register, they give you like a line ticket, or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, registering will ensure that you get a box of food. You don't have to register necessarily, but that will ensure that you get a box. So we're talking not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, noon to two. Yes. Interesting. That's right. Now, is, is, is you're the guy that knows this kind of stuff. Things have gotten better. Um, we're not like it was like in February and March and April where we were like really in the toilet as far as the economy and jobs and things like that. From your perspective, is it better? Are there still a lot of people that are really hurting out there? I, from my perspective, what I've seen, there are still people that are hurting. Um, you know, there are people that have uh, lost their jobs. And I, I do think that things are getting better, you know, um, but uh, as people find new jobs, and you know, um, my neighbor lost his job, and he just he just this last week found a new one, and um, so like you know, there are there are people that have felt little to no impact, and there are also people whose lives have been you know incredibly shifted a different direction as a result of COVID nineteen. Yeah, and well, so, I mean, you know, we 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 see that from where we're at, and I'm not trying to cry poor, but man. We have gotten our living daylights kicked out of us here at the radio business because there's a lot of business that would normally be on the air that people would be buying advertising for. And when you think like with us, we do a lot of you know promotions for grand openings, events, concerts. Guess what? There aren't too many of those anymore. Matter of fact, concerts there are yeah. none of them. You know, right? Yep. And I, 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 uh, you know, I, I sit on the board for the O'Fallon Chamber of Commerce, and we've experienced the same thing. You know. Uh, taking a little bit of a hit and had to readjust some stuff, but uh, just all rolling with it, right? You got it. Now, as far as regular church, Grace River Church, great place to be. Uh, give us the times for the services on Sunday. Yeah, um, so we meet at 9 and 10.30 every Sunday morning at uh, Grace River Church, and uh, then we also have an online campus that meets at 9 o'clock as well, online, so you can find us online just on our website at graceriver.cc. That's a uh, 
graceriver.cc. That's 9 o'clock. And you can also watch on demand whenever you want to, and so that's the nice part about that, too, if you don't catch it at right at 9. What's great about catching it at 9 is we have uh, kind of an online host that uh, runs a chat and all that kind of stuff for us, and so you can you know, ask questions and, and chime in. So that, that's been a really awesome venue for us, it's kind of a new thing, really, um, and, um, but it's great. So you're not streaming the services on Sunday morning then? Uh, we we do a we do not stream the live service anymore. No, we we stopped doing that. Actually, when COVID hit, we we created a new online service, and it's been really good um, because we're able to talk directly to the camera, um, and uh, and kind of like just target the needs of people that are watching online. Oh, interesting. So it's not just it's not just uh, uh, what you're doing in the church, like what you're talking about at nine o'clock on Sunday. That's a special feed that's interactive on Sunday mornings at nine. Yes. Yes. Interesting. It's the same exact talk, same sermon, same teaching, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it's not the uh, yeah. It's it's targeted specifically to them. You know, Chris. I'm always amazed at <laughs> you know your marketing skills, and quite honestly. You and I have this discussion. That's the future of what happens within. It. Do I call your 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 thing an industry? Your business is that is that would that be sacrilegious to say that? Uh, I mean, you know, there there I mean, we definitely are. Church is a definite industry. I mean, it's important that we're meeting the needs of people. And you know, what I love that Jesus gave us. If you don't mind me just talking about him real quick, Jesus gave us um, the what we need to do right. And we get to pick how to do it. That's what I love about it. That's what I love that Jesus, Jesus gives us this great commission in Matthew 28. He said, go make disciples. He told us what to do, but he didn't tell us how to do it. So what's awesome is we have the freedom 2,000 years later uh, to, to execute the strategy of making disciples. And that looks way different. Uh, every generation kind of gets an opportunity to go, what, what are we going to do um, to make a difference in our community? So what worked in the 50s doesn't work in 2020. Because in 1950, they didn't have a pandemic. Yeah, I hear um, you. And, and by the no, way... So you either innovate or you die. And I think that's that's true of any business model, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And by the way, I'm sorry, Chris, but we don't allow Jesus talk on the radio here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I was kidding. But anyway, so, you know, I tell Shelly, and I think I told you this, if you're friends with a pastor, every once in a while, you're going to get a little sermon. So there you go. You know what? And, and, and I, I'll be honest with you. I have told people, and I'm going to sound like I'm like just, you know, trying to just, uh, you know, just stroke the living daylights out of you. You are a unique person because I never feel ever like you're preaching to me or you're like trying to make me feel guilty. If, if, if anything, whenever I talk to you, and I mean this is a compliment, I always feel great after I talk to you because you are so level-headed and so easy to talk with, and I envy you because I can't be that way. I'm like, some days I'm bouncing off the ceiling, the next day I'm crawling on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Well, we I think we all have those private moments, you know, where we're, especially right now, where uh, you feel like you are a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, there's just a lot going on in our community, our culture, our world. Um, and, man, I I, uh, I would love to tell you that I'm always level-headed, you know. But uh, last night my wife played a prank on me, actually, and I, 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 I wasn't level-headed at all. My, my son dropped his cell phone in the ocean three weeks ago, and uh, we finally got a new phone, a new used phone, uh, in the mail yesterday, and he and she they they played a plank on me that he had dropped it in the in the pool last night. 
in, in the neighborhood pool. And uh, they came home and did the whole thing. She got a bag of rice out, the whole thing. And I'm just beside myself, you know, like, oh, my gosh, are you serious? We just got this new phone. And then they just said, you know, pranks on you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to. So I almost committed murder last night. <laughs> oh, uh, did, did, don't ask those close to me if I'm level-headed. Hey, I'm did, did they video it and it will show up on TikTok soon? Is that the important thing? No, part? I wish. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't, actually. Yeah. No, I wish they would have videoed here's it. Here's Pastor uh, Chris with the TikTok video of him being pranked and him going ballistic because it's the second time in two weeks his son has dropped the phone in the water, right? Yeah, I, I, I almost lost it. But, uh, it's good. It's good. We're, we're, we're excited. And uh, we got good days ahead, Brad. I really believe our community's crawling out of this thing. And um, someday we're going to look back at these days and laugh. But until then, we're here to help whatever, whatever, uh, whatever our community needs. We're in church business exists in the community. We're a church for the community. So that's our big thing. And we want to we always say it's not okay to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way, you know. And so, um, you know, we all got stuff. That's Chris Heifel, lead pastor, Grace River Church. Website address one more time. Uh, that's graceriver.cc. And if you're looking for food relief, uh, go to graceriver.cc forward slash food relief uh, for a free 25 to 30 pound box of produce on September 12th from 12 to 2 o'clock. And once again, I apologize. It was all Shelly's fault that I forgot to call you at 730. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) Okay. Have a good day, Chris. Thanks, Brad. Bye-bye. I have to tell you, Shelly. Isn't he just a neat man? He's an amazing guy. He really, truly is. And a good, good human. What's really interesting about him is when you're around him, he can be like just He's almost like you're sitting at the bar, and he's the guy. And I, not that I sit at the bar a lot, but I use the analogy. He's like the guy you'd sit next to at Cheers. You know what I mean? Like the you know the whole yes. TV show yes, where you is. walk in and everybody's hey, everybody's your friend. Hey, how you doing? You know, everybody's in a good mood. Hey, we're all here. He's that guy. You know, no, yes, not not pretentious, not judgy. You know, and man, how many times through the years have I had you know people show up at my door and telling me I was going to hell? You know what I mean? And, and, and I would say, I'd say, did you, did you do that the next door neighbor? Oh, no. They told me to come over here because they knew what you're like, and they told me you were going to hell. So that's why I'm here. Did, did you say, I'll pack light, it's a short trip? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, no, I said to him, hey, you want hell? Come on in. It's right here. I'll close the door behind you. And <laughs> this is place is a living hell. Okay. Anyway, uh, we're way behind. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's your fault. Westplex 107.1. It is BS The Morning. I'm Shelly. She's Brad. 813. We are back in track time-wise. At least I think we are. Maybe not. Who knows? Okay. You're the bomb, baby. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, we've been goofy this morning for the most part, which is good. Like we said, you know, sometimes take too seriously. I just want a minute and just, uh, what happened now? Oh, my computer. Okay, never mind. Okay. Um, yesterday, two things came out, and I'm going, oh, here we go again. First off, it came out that some guy who apparently um, was, just call him mentally unstable, this happened, I think, back in March. Rochester, New York, was running around the neighborhood uh, naked. When the police tried to, you know, get him, he resisted, and turned out he he ultimately died. But the controversy is, they put a hood over him, 
And first I'm going, okay, why would they do that? Do you know why they did that? No. Because he was spitting on them. And apparently this is like a common thing in when you're dealing with psychiatric patients and, and law enforcement has had this issue where you get someone who, when you try to arrest them or detain them, they proceed to spit on you. Okay. So oh now, my. nowadays <laughs> you don't want that happening. That's why everybody wears the mask. And by the way, it happened to me the other day. I'm in a store, a guy sneezes and right before Somebody he sneezes. Somebody spit on you? No. Right before he sneezes, he pulls his mask down and I'm going like, dude, that's what the mask is for. You know, it's not the breath that comes out of your mouth. It's to a certain extent it is, but it's like when you sneeze, that junk goes everywhere. You know, just sneeze in your mask. And I've heard people, well, I'm not going to do that. Then I got to walk around with that junk in my mask. Hey, that's what the mask is there for. So anyway, this guy, and this happened, I guess, back in March. And now his family has come out and they're going like, oh, it's terrible. I get it. You know, and they put all the police officers on paid leave. Okay. Then it was yesterday, the day before. And I watched this body cam video, and I ha- I have to tell you, Shelly, why anybody, anybody would want to be a cop nowadays, I don't get. Because no matter what you do, somebody's going to, you know, Monday morning quarterback you. And this is a particular instance where the guy, you know, the Washington, D.C., police officers got a call of a guy in an apartment parking lot flourishing a weapon. And, you know, you see a car and the body camera is of an officer who's, you know, riding shotgun. Somebody else is driving. There's two officers in the car. There's a driver and there's the the shotgun guy. Not literally with a shotgun, but you know what I mean? He's driving. He's in the passenger seat. And they roll up in this parking lot and the officer gets out of his patrol car. And here's a guy and he starts to run. And as he turns around, he's got a gun and he starts to bring it up toward the officer and the officer shoots him and ultimately kills him. But what they're saying is, well, look what happened. He wasn't sh- trying to shoot the officer be- uh, because what he did was, as his arm came up, he threw the gun over the officer's head so he couldn't be arrested because apparently he was a convicted felon or there's a warrant for his arrest and he wasn't supposed to have a gun. And so instead of him, they're now saying, well, he wasn't going to shoot the officer. He was throwing the gun over the officer's head. And then the officer, after the shooting, goes down like a little hill and there's a grassy area and there's a little playground. And he's trying to find the gun. He says, I, the guy had a gun. He pointed it at me. That's why I sh- shot him. And another officer comes up and they find it. But now, already last or night before their protesting, they showed up at one of the Washington, D.C. police stations, and they're beating down the door, and they're attacking the police. And I'm going like, who would want to be a cop? You know? I mean, I mean. I do. I, I understand. I, I just think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a tragedy the way things are going. But once again, you look at these situations, and it's like I had somebody who called me the other day and gave me grief when I taught my course on how to deal with police. Remember I said, here, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you, when you're taught your course, I'm going to give you breads, breads, you know, cause this was once again, my son told me this story about how he worked for a guy who was a police officer. And he said, here's how you, and, and once again, he educated my son. Here's how you should act during a traffic stop. Not me, not the police officer, how you should act. And you will find out that police officers will. And I told the story twice. My son got pulled over for speeding. Was he speeding? Yes, he was. But he was the model person. He was carrying his concealed carry weapon. 
you know, officer pulls him over. He goes over to the right side, turns the engine off, puts the keys on the dashboard, puts his hands up on the on the, the steering wheel. Officer approaches him. And the first thing he says, officer, I just want you to know I am carrying. I have a concealed weapon. It's at my my three o'clock. And the officer says, OK, fine. Thanks for telling me. And then the officer said, can I see your driver's license? And he said, it's in my back pocket, six o'clock. Can I reach back there and get my wallet? And he says, yep, just go ahead and reach back there and get your wallet. And he pulled out his wallet, gave him driver's license. Both times he got off with a warning because the cops told him, you know what? You did a great job. You know, uh, that's exactly the way you should, uh, you know, the one guy compliment. That's exactly the way you should be when we pull you over. If we had all the people that we pulled over act like you, we wouldn't have any trouble. But yet, once again, you see these things where the cops, like this one, the cops roll up. They get a report of this guy flourishing a weapon. Sure enough, there he is in the parking lot. They pull into the parking lot. They run. Cop gets in front of him. He, you know, looks like he's drawing on the cop. Cop shoots him, ultimately kills him. But what he was really doing was throwing the gun away. They're going like, well, he wasn't going to shoot the cop. He was throwing the gun away. Okay. If he just would have, when the cops would have rolled up, if he would have just stood there, dropped the weapon, put his arms up. And I know people, well, you know, hands up, don't shoot. Yeah, right. That never happened. <laughs> yeah, you know, I forgot about that. That, that never, that never happened. You know, that, that turned out to be B-O-G-U-S. You know, uh-huh. you know what I mean? And they proved that that was bogus. Remember that? You know, that whole deal with the, you know, he, that friend of his, oh, he, he was there, hands up, don't shoot, hands up, don't shoot. Never happened. So anyway, that's my serious thing. And here we go again. Like now we got Washington, D.C., and now we got Syracuse, New York. And, uh, but yet, how many people talk about the officer, the retired police captain, City of St. Louis Police, when the riots happened months ago? He shows up at his friend's place, owns the pawn shop. He works part-time security for the pawn shop, shows up to protect the pawn shop, gets murdered, shot, killed, dead by guys, you know, ripping him off. And yesterday, yesterday, I don't even want to read this because it just ticked me off. On NPR, they had an interview with this lady who was talking about that there's nothing wrong with rioting. There's nothing wrong with looting. And she's talking about the fact that, oh, all those stores have insurance. And she was saying it wasn't stealing. It was something about cultural appropriation, that those people, they really needed what was in those stores and they couldn't afford it. So therefore, it was okay that they broke out the windows and they took those stores. You know, even the liberal NP- Do you believe that she spewed that BS? I, I can find you the story. I read I, it. I, I know. I, I read right? it. I'm, it was I'm just being... Here, hold on. Let me see if I can find it. I'm going like... You don't have to... You, I'm you going know, like, I am from Missouri, so you need to show me. Okay. But I believe NPR, you on this one. Here, let me see if I can find this. Let me find the... Uh, here it is right here. NPR, here, here, here's the headline. NPR issues mea culpa, says in defense of looting interview, did not serve NPR's audience. And NPR, and here's the story. NPR issued a mea culpa for its publication of a much-criticized interview with the author of a new book entitled In Defense of Looting. That's what the book is about. And the lady says, um, uh, her name is Vicki Osterweil. And she said many, uh, blah, 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 blah. And she goes on to say, let me read this. Let me read this one paragraph. It was like, um, uh, here we go. When I, this is her, this is a quote from the interview. When I use the word looting, I mean the mass expropriation of property, mass shoplifting during a moment of upheaval, a riot. That's the thing I'm defending. I'm not defending any situation in which property is stolen by force. Okay, now think about that for a minute. She's essentially saying that, like, okay, during mass shoplifting, mass shoplifting, okay, during a moment of upheaval. Have you ever heard of the term mass shoplifting? Isn't that looting? I have not. 
And she says, that's the thing I'm defending. I'm not defending any situation in which property is stolen. She goes on to say, most stores are insured. It's just hurting the insurance companies on some level. It's just money. It's just property. It's not actually hurting any people. That's what she said. And then this is what's interesting. It says, according, this is in Minneapolis, according to the Star Tribune in Minneapolis, uh, where at least 400 businesses were damaged, most insurance policies limited reimbursements from twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars, but contractors' bids have between have been between two hundred thousand and four hundred thousand to repair the damage to the looted stores. And then she goes on to say, um, one of the ones that's been very powerful, that's both been used by Donald Trump and Democrats, has been the outside agitator myth that the people doing the riots are coming from outside. Well, and this is what's interesting. And it said that it said the data on this claim isn't certain, but it has been refuted by some police departments around the country. Metropolitan Police Department Chief uh, Peter Newsham, this is the guy from uh, Washington, said that most of those arrested were from out of state. And he said, he said, from Thursday until early this morning, the large number of arrestees, over 70%, are not from the District of Columbia. So they appear to be folks who are coming into our city, our peaceful city, with intent of destroying property and hurting folks. And I'm going, and she goes on to say, she's going to say, looting strikes at the heart of of property are whiteness and of the police. And it also provides people with an imaginative sense of freedom and pleasure and helps them imagine a world that could be. And I think that it's a part of that that doesn't really get talked about. My screen moved here. That riots and looting are experienced as sort of joyous and liberatory. (laughs) Okay. Can you believe that? Now, if you're a store owner, if it's Shelly's Shoes and you got your storefront, you know, in Minneapolis or D.C. or in downtown St. Louis and the the rioters come and they break out your plate glass windows, which probably cost $2,000 a piece to replace. And once again, your insurance may or may not cover it. And they steal all your product and they steal your computer system, which has all your data in it. They take your cash register and they tear the place up and they, you know, kick holes through the walls, which they did in a lot of places. Are you saying, oh, those people, they weren't riots. They were just experiencing joyous and liberatory experiences. Is that what you say? They were just expressing themselves. (laughs) I'm going like, I read this and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what alternate? And this guy, this gal wrote this book and they have her on NPR. And even the liberal people who listen to NPR, like me, I'm a, I like to listen to all sorts of stuff because I, I. You're a closet NPR. No, I, I try to, I, how many times, you know me well enough. I try to get both sides of the story. It's the journalistic instinct in me from Dr. Camille Winter when I took his oh, journalism class. you mean the degree class. that means, means nothing to you? And the degree was worthless. That class was priceless. Put it that way. Okay. <laughs> I took a couple classes with him. They were priceless. But once again, the idea being is is that you don't necessarily, you know, I mean, the idea of a reporter is if somebody says to you, hey, I saw Shelly last night and she was trying and she was suctioning cup cupping uh, uh, suctioning cupping uh, herself up the side of the arch and then she got on top of the arch and she jumped off with a parachute and I would go like okay I wouldn't go on the air this morning and say guess what happened last night Shelly you know got these suction cup things like you know the window guys use and she suction cupped her way up the side of the arch and jumped off the arch with a parachute I would call you and say Shelly some guy just told me you climbed up the side of the arch is that true and you go like what I was at a chamber of commerce meeting last night. Okay, fine. You know, in other words, you know, and and not only that, I could call your daughter and say, "Hey, Tiffany, 
Is your mom, did your mom jump off the arch last night? No, my mom would never jump off the arch. She doesn't like the arch. She, she, she hates go downtown. She doesn't even like downtown anymore. Okay, fine. And then I'd call your husband. Hey, is, was, was Shelly? No, she was here last night. Okay. I checked my sources, right? That's journalism. You indeed check your sources, that's, yes, sir. That's journalism 101. It's like this crazy story that came out yesterday in the Atlantic magazine or whatever the heck it is. This guy that claims that when Trump was over in for the D-Day celebration in, in, in 2018, that he said that he wasn't going to the cemetery where all the D-Day veterans were because they were losers. Did you hear this story? No. Yeah, that's what this guy claims. He says that Trump said they were losers, and and if they if they were any good soldiers, they wouldn't have been killed, and that you know. I, I sincerely doubt that President Trump said that. I, I, and I'm going like I'm going like, <laughs> what in the world? And this guy claims this, is, and they interviewed Trump last night. He goes, I never said that. And this guy claims, well, I have sources. I have high level sources. Okay, give me the names. You know what I mean? That's the thing to the point where it's like, you know, once again, as a journalist, if this guy's going to say, well, I have sources or confidential sources, okay, well, guess what? Until we can verify that we can get, you know, a second and third person that was there when they heard this. And once again, he wasn't there. These are people that are telling him this. Oh, yeah, well, this guy told me that Trump said that they were losers and all the guys that, you know, were in the cemetery over there, well, you know, that was because they were bad soldiers and they didn't shoot their rifle right, you know, whatever he said. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, well, I mean, can you imagine, I mean, Trump sends some bizarre stuff, but can you imagine anybody who's like the president when you're over and knowing the fact that, that you know, D-Day has this still to this day has this, this, this moment in history where, you know, it's still the largest... Uh, uh, attack by one army on another in the history of the world. If you read all the D-Day stuff, all the different things, and and you know, and it turned the course of the war and shortened the war in Europe, and you know, we eventually you know uh, you know ended up going through France, and the, there was the Battle of the Bulge, had a setback, but ultimately got into Germany, and you know, Hitler, you know, and and Berlin fell, and Hitler shot himself, and you know, all these kinds of things. It's like okay. You, for a minute, do you think any president in his right mind would call the guys in the graveyard in, in Normandy losers? Absolutely not. That's what I said. I'm going like, yes. I don't, I, that to me, that would be like Shelley saying, hey, um, I'm going to give you algorithmic tables today because of the fact that I took my calculus class last night and I'm going to tell you how good I am at calculus. And I'd go like, yeah, right, I got to see this. I suck to calculus. <laughs> That's why I said that, because you've told me. See, you and I have that in common. See, yeah. I want You suck at calculus? Well, I was never good at math. And that's probably why I didn't go. Algebra I excelled in. Well, so totally. And Boolean algebra. I love that. Well, that's but pro- that's probably yeah. why I didn't become an engineer. You know, and but nowadays. But Boolean? No, I just I, I wasn't really good at math. But but nowadays, I don't think it matters anymore because of the fact that that's what you got computers for. And that's what you got, you know, like, you know, the TI 9022 calculator that'll, you know, give you, uh, you know, the thrust needed to uh, propel your car to go to the moon. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, they do all sorts to of crazy. Launch to a 200-pound man in a geosynchronous <laughs> orbit right, around right. Earth. You just grab your little, you know, or you, you go on a website and there's a website for, you know, how much thrust does it take to launch a man in the into orbit to reach, you know, you know, the Galaxy 4 satellite, so we can repair the solar shield. Oh, that's, you know, blah, 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 kilonewtons, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> We're done. It's 8.30. Yeah. What a l- l- good show. Yeah, people are, you know, it's, you know, hold on a minute, hold on. Anybody listening out there? Anybody still have the radio on? <laughs> 
<laughs> is this thing on? <laughs> is the transmitter still up? <laughs> are we still on the air? You know, I'm still like, on the air. Are we? Are we still transmitting? Is is anybody out there listening? If you are, say something. Oh, he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we actually do have a. According to my friend and yours, Caleb Hunter, we have an underground following. Okay. Oh, look! There's a guy working on the tower. You know, there's uh, he's working on a tower ride, and I can see him up there. Hey, let me wave to him. Oh, ah! oh, he took his hands off the tower. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> You're so funny. Everybody, have a great day. Um, it's been a slice of heaven as usual, Brad, and have a good weekend. It's a holiday weekend, is it not? Yeah, we won't talk to you till Tuesday. Hard to believe. We're not going to go on the air on Monday? Well, I don't know. If you want it, we can have fun. Nobody listens. You know, like today. Nobody listens Would today you either. stop it? <laughs> You're just so bad. Everybody have a great weekend. Be safe. Be extra safe. Social distance. Wear your masks. Make sure that they're red, white, and blue. And um, Brad and I have just enjoyed this morning with you.